And again, Merry Christmas. I like it. I like it. Well, welcome to Palm Vista as we continue our series for Advent. We've entitled the series, Shattered, How the Unbreakable Kingdom Heals a Fractured World. Shattered, How the Unbreakable Kingdom Heals a Fractured World. And this morning's message is entitled, The Gospel of the Kingdom. The Gospel of the Kingdom. And our text is Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 to 12. The Gospel of the Kingdom, Matthew 5, verses 1 to 12. And before I continue, I just want to thank Corey Smidgen. He preached a message from this text probably five or six years ago. And I reread his manuscript, and I've benefited greatly from it. I draw from it in my sermon. So thank you, Corey. He is recovering from illness. So so what is the Gospel of the Kingdom, and why is it so important for us to get it right? That's the question. The reason it's important for us to get it right is because if we don't, then we're going to think that what I'm about to read are requirements to get into heaven. We're going to think that the Beatitudes, which is Jesus' first recorded message, he's going to preach the gospel of the kingdom. We're going to misinterpret them, and we're going to think that that's what we have to do to get in. And we're going to miss the fact that Jesus actually accomplished that for us, that that Jesus qualified us as citizens of his kingdom. And that's, in fact, the thesis of our message this morning. The king transforms us into citizens of his kingdom. The king transforms us into citizens of his kingdom. And let me prove it to you that this first sermon that Jesus preached You might know it as the Sermon on the Mount. It starts in chapter 5. It ends in chapter 7. I mean, I'm going to be brief with this. It's probably only going to be a two or three hour message. George, you think I'm joking? No, I'm just going to preach the first part of this message called the Beatitudes, verses 1 to 12. But this entire message is about the kingdom of God. Where do you see that, Al? Good question. On the screen, chapter 5, verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Verse 10. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus came and was baptized, and the Father poured out the Spirit, God the Father. Then God the Spirit was poured out upon Jesus. And he said, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. This is the one certified to be the Savior, certified to be the King. And then Jesus said, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And now he preaches the kingdom, the gospel of the kingdom. So we must get this gospel right. And if you were to say to me, but Al, where do you see that these Beatitudes are not requirements that I have to do on my own to get into the kingdom, but rather are what Christ has done to make me a citizen of the kingdom. Well, here's where I see it. I see it in Scripture. I see it in the very Old Testament text that Jesus is fulfilling here. On the screen, Jesus came to fulfill Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 to 3. Every Jew at that time would have understood this text. Every Jew at that time would have understood Jesus is saying, I'm fulfilling this. I am the king. I'm the Messiah. I'm the Savior. 
Isaiah 61, verses 1 to 3. We're not at the Beatitudes yet. We're at that place of proving to you that the Beatitudes are not an entrance exam into the kingdom, but rather what, rather what Christ has transformed us to be and is transforming us to be citizens of that kingdom, made so by Christ and his grace. Isaiah 61.1, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. This is speaking of Jesus. The Spirit was on him at his baptism. Because the Lord has anointed me, yes, God the Father, anointed God the Son with God the Holy Spirit, to bring good news to the poor. That's the gospel. In the New Testament, that is the evangelion, the good news. In the Old Testament, it's the good news of salvation, God restoring a broken, fractured world with his kingdom and the gospel of the kingdom. Good news to whom? The poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. Are you brokenhearted this morning? Who isn't at times? Christ came to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives. Are you captive this morning? We all are to sin and death apart from Christ. And the, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. This is the day of salvation. This is the day that Jesus inaugurates. To comfort all, the, and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. To grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness. Put your finger on that. Oaks of righteousness, followers of Christ, disciples of Christ, citizens of the kingdom. They're all analogous. They're speaking of the same person. Who makes them oaks of righteousness? Christ does. The planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. That he may be glorified. So as we read the Beatitudes, and turn in your Bibles to Matthew 5, verses 1 to 12, and as we read them, understand, this is who God has made us to be, citizens of his kingdom. Matthew 5, 1. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. This is Jesus speaking. Rejoice, be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. On the screen again, Amanda, the thesis. The king transforms us into citizens of his kingdom. Do you want to see who you are? Citizen of the kingdom, Christian? Point one. Citizens of the kingdom walk in humility. And again, thanks to Corey, he took these nine beatitudes and broke them down into three categories. I think he's right on there. The first three Describe a citizen of the kingdom who walks in humility. Look at 5.3 on the screen. 
Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. To be poor in spirit is to acknowledge your bankruptcy. That's why Jesus, when he came, he said, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's why the Pharisees missed it. You are a citizen of the kingdom if you, by God's grace, are able to repent and to say, I'm bankrupt. I have nothing to bring here. Christ is the one in whom I am trusting. You are a citizen of the kingdom if you are poor in spirit. This harkens back to Isaiah 61. He's come He's come for the poor. He's come for the poor. Jesus didn't come for the rich. He didn't come for the healthy. He came for the poor and the sick. Are you poor and sick? Next, under this heading of humility, verse 4. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. They shall be comforted, Isaiah 61. He comforts us. To, to mourn here is to mourn your sin. And to mourn the sin of this world. That's why Jesus said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. A citizen of the kingdom mourns, lives a lifestyle of repentance. And what I love about this, if we can go back to Isaiah 61.3, look at what Jesus gives us. In our text, it says, they shall be comforted in 5.4. But look at Isaiah 61. And look at verse 3. To grant those who mourn in Zion and to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit. The garment of praise instead of a faint spirit. This doesn't make sense in one respect. When you mourn, then God gives you a garment of praise instead of a faint spirit. You would think mourning is a, a faint spirit, but mourning is mourning my sin, the sin of this world. Once I do that before God, he gives me a garment of praise instead of a faint spirit. I'm still mourning, but I'm strengthened with this garment of praise rather than fainting. And then the final one under this heading of humility, verse 5. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. God's kingdom is so different from man's kingdom. In man's kingdom, it is the strong that inherit the earth, the ruthless, the violent, the connivers, the manipulators. In God's kingdom, it's the meek. Why? Because someone who is meek understands who they are before God and understands who God is so they don't take their own vengeance and they don't defend themselves. They're comfortable in their own skin. I mean, I mean there's, there's a piece there. They're not trying to put on a front. They're not trying to curate their brand online. They're not trying to make sure everybody sees their best side all the time. They, they are meek. And they trust God to deal with evil. They're not taking their own vengeance. They don't get angry when they see something on the news or they hear something they don't like or they see it looks like evil prospering. They know that God is able to deal with that. So they're not hiding and putting a mask on. They're able to be honest, and they're able to be who they are. True relationships depend on that. And they don't vengefully try to right things in their own power, but they trust God. And those are the ones that inherit the earth. 
Jesus here is referencing Psalm 37, verse 9 on the screen. Psalm 37, verse 9 is what Jesus came to fulfill. For the evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the earth. I am not a patient man. Just follow me when I'm driving and you will see that. But Jesus has made me a patient man as a citizen of the kingdom. And he's making me into who he is making me. Do you get that? So that those who wait on the Lord will inherit the earth. That is who you are as a citizen of the kingdom. That is walking in humility. Second, a citizen of the kingdom seeks justice. Point two, citizens of the kingdom seek justice. Look at verse six. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. This word righteousness is a very rich word. It includes your holiness, but it also includes all that is right. It includes justice. It includes all that, that, that should be that's not. It includes all of that. And so as a citizen of the kingdom of God, we hunger and we thirst for righteousness. We are as passionate about righteousness in its full-orbed expression as the Argentinians are passionate about the World Cup. I am passionate about God's righteousness. Listen carefully. And it's a righteousness that is foreign to me. It is a righteousness that I've been given as a gift of grace by Jesus. This righteousness I cannot earn. This righteousness I cannot make it happen in my children's lives or in my neighbor's lives or in your lives. But I'm passionate for it. And so therefore I'm passionate for Jesus who came, Isaiah 61 verses 1 to 3, to bring that righteousness to make us oaks of righteousness. That's where the gospel's singing here. That's where you dare not make these what you have to do to get into the kingdom, but what Christ has done in you as a citizen of the kingdom. I'm passionate for it. I'm passionate for it. That's who we are, church. That's who we are. Verse 7, under this heading of seeking justice. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. As those who have received God's righteousness by the mercy of Christ alone, those who were his enemies, who've now been made his friends, we who've received mercy as citizens of the kingdom, we give mercy. We're merciful people. We don't exact a pound for a pound. I'm going to get my pound of flesh here. We're not going an eye for an eye. We're not treating others the way they deserve because we weren't treated the way we deserve. But we are kind and merciful to the ungrateful and the evil, because that was us. We seek justice. And then verse 8, under this heading of seeking justice, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. This idea of being pure in heart, yes, it is a moral purity, but it's really more a wholeheartedness. Those who are citizens of the kingdom are not given to deceit. They're not putting on airs. 
They're not publishing the one or two happy photos in the family vacation to let everybody know how great their family is, not showing the 450 unhappy photos of what their family is really like. They're not liars. They're not hypocrites. A citizen of the kingdom traffics in honesty and truth. They're not perfect. They're broken, but they admit it. And together they grow in this wholeheartedness, in this purity of heart. So they seek justice. Citizens of the kingdom walk in humility. Citizens of the kingdom seek justice. And finally, citizens of the kingdom make peace. Look at verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. We are peacemakers because Jesus, the chief peacemaker, made peace between God and us. And as his sons and daughters, we walk in that peacemaking. Primarily that peacemaking is through the gospel of Jesus Christ, through the gospel of the kingdom, peace between God and man. But it also characterizes us as people who are peacemakers. He transforms us from always being angry about everything and trying to prove our point to everyone, whether online or in person or whatever. Always being agitated about something, always stirring the pot, always getting into arguments for righteousness' sake. (laughs) To being peacemakers. That doesn't mean we don't speak the truth, but we speak it in love. There's grace and truth. We're kind. Even with those who oppose God were kind, trusting whom to bring them to repentance? God. I know for me, that always convicts me, especially when we're raising our four children. Desi would pull me aside and say, Al, what you're saying is true, but you're not the Holy Spirit. Ouch. I can have the truth, and then by golly, I'm going to bludgeon you to death with that truth until you agree with me. That's not who I am as a citizen of the kingdom, and God's changing me to be who I am as a citizen of the kingdom. But we're peacemakers. Do we have a heart of peace? Because Christ has made peace between us and God. And then finally, under this heading of citizens of the kingdom make peace, verses 10 to 11 and 12. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Wait a second. I'm a peacemaker, but I live in turmoil because of righteousness' sake. Exactly. Exactly. I'm a man of peace who's in a world of war. It's not my war. It's war against God. And as his follower, I'm a peacemaker so that I am persecuted for righteousness' sake. In verse 11, it says it this way. Blessed are you when others revile you, and persecute you, and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Remember, Jesus is preaching this first sermon. And then verse 12. How do we respond? How do we respond when Christians are maligned online? How do we respond when I am maligned in my workplace, or in my school, or in my neighborhood, because I'm a Christian? For righteousness' sake, I know how I'm tempted to respond. But look what it says here in verse 12. Rejoice and be glad. (laughs) 
Typically, rejoicing and being glad isn't at the top of the list for me. It's a furrowed eyebrow and a, oh, yeah, okay. Or, depending on your personality type, maybe it's great fear. There's no rejoicing. You're not glad. This isn't some Pollyannish way of looking at life. Suffering is real. Persecution is real. Reviling is real. People lose their lives. I understand that. They lose their jobs. Maybe they lose their friends. They get canceled, whatever. But there is a deep rejoicing that goes beyond the persecution and reviling. Why? Look at 12. For your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Here's the bottom line. They persecuted Jesus, and as followers of Jesus, they will persecute us. Please don't be offended by that. This is who you are as a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. There is no dual citizenship. If you want to unplug the persecution and reviling, then you have to revoke your passport and citizenship in one world to ease the pressure in the other. Don't do it. It's not worth it. As a citizen of the kingdom, I'm just telling you right now, you will be persecuted and reviled for his name's sake. But rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. So, here's the appeal. If you are here this morning and you are not a believer, first of all, thank you. Or if you're watching, perhaps, thank you very much. My appeal, I think God's appeal through Scripture is to recognize that Jesus came to transform his people into citizens of his kingdom. And I ask you this question, have you considered what that transformation would look like in your life? Have you considered what it would look like to, to hunger and thirst for righteousness, God's righteousness, and to truly be satisfied? Have you ever been satisfied? Christ offers satisfaction in his righteousness, not yours, his, not some cause out here, his righteousness. Response, according to Jesus, is that you would repent and believe on him, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent of your ways, repent of your sins, and trust in Christ's way and Christ's righteousness. And to the Christian, here's my appeal to us. It's for us to rejoice in Jesus, to be satisfied in Jesus, for he transforms us into citizens of his kingdom. Jesus makes us these oaks of righteousness, these citizens of the kingdom, and that we would be satisfied in him. As I was preparing this message, I felt like this, this idea in verse 6, if we could put verse 6 up there again, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. I believe what God wants to give you, Christian, is a deep satisfaction that nothing else and no one else can give you. I don't know where you're at right now. I don't know where your soul is at. But there's a satisfaction in the midst of a broken and shattered world that does not deny the reality of your pain, but adds a satisfaction that Jesus gained for you. And we live in that. And as we live in that, we're passionate about God's righteousness, not mine, right? If I misunderstand the gospel here, 
And I think these beatitudes are ways I enter the kingdom, then I bank on self-righteousness, and then I'm only satisfied when I am proven right. And that makes me an arrogant, self-righteous person that is miserable. The Pharisees. (laughs) Me on my worst days. But if I understand that only the righteousness of Christ can make me that oak of righteousness, can qualify me as a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, then, oh, friend, there's a deep satisfaction that's beyond anything you could ever imagine. Even in the midst of your pain and suffering and sin and maybe sickness or this world that is so crazy, because we know one day it'll all be made right, and we're passionate about that. Listen, Christ's first advent is represented by these candles, and we celebrate that in Advent. But the church has always celebrated another Advent, his second Advent. That's where my passion is, that one day all that is wrong will be made right, starting in my life. And I'm passionate about that, and I have a vision of that because I understand the gospel of the kingdom, and I live as a citizen of the kingdom, blessed by the king. Let us pray. The worship team would please join me on the stage. Lord, thank you that you have qualified us. You have made us citizens of the kingdom, your kingdom. The king has transformed us into citizens of the kingdom. Jesus, how is that possible? Jesus, why would you do that? Jesus, you did it at a great cost. You were born to die. You did it by suffering on the cross, the wrath, and the punishment I deserved. You were rejected that we might be accepted. And may that transformation play out in this church amongst your people. Lord Jesus, have mercy upon us as we cry out to you and give thanks that the greatest blessing ever has come in you. Christ the Lord is born today. Father, I pray that he would be born in the hearts of unbelievers that are listening to me right now. Would you do that miracle? And in the hearts of those of us who know you, may a fresh hope be reborn and confidence in your righteousness that we would exit these doors the most satisfied people on earth because we have your righteousness. Not ours, yours. And we get to walk it out as citizens of your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you please stand with me and let us sing this song Christ is born.